Hey, Jerome. Hey, Laura. How are you? I am doing fantastically in most regards, and in some, I'm just doing pretty good. We, we can talk after the podcast about what those are. Um, and I do have to say, we, we, we had to start the podcast over because Jerome just called me Nora, which is my daughter's name. So because I, I had her on my mind. He had her on his mind. Yes. So this morning, we are excited to talk to you about a book, <clears throat> a little nugget from a book called Atomic Habits. The subtitle, because nonfiction books always have subtitles these days. He actually has two. So the title is Atomic Habits. The author is James Clear. And the two subtitles are Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. And Jerome and I were just talking before we started recording that like, um, there's been a lot of books about habits. Gretchen Rubin has one. Charles Duhigg has one, um, but Jerome was talking about his thoughts on this book. What were you saying, Jerome? That I didn't mean to be sacrilegious, but um, you don't need to babble. This book will teach you how to live and live <laughs> really well. And uh, it's just, in my opinion, the last book that needs to be written on habits. It's just distilled so well and just written so well and yeah it's I'm I'm really digging it and have tons of people in my practice reading it right now and you you kind of know him right no I just am a, a fan of his and that I uh because I like his blogs I um met him um I guess I, I wrote him and told him how big a fan I am of him, of his. And um, yeah, we've corresponded a bit. That's neat. That's like, um, that's actually a good lesson for kids too. Like you, you thought you were reading this guy, you thought he was doing some cool stuff and you just wrote him to gave him a compliment. And now you yes. developed a friendship that's, you know, whatever kind of friendship you want to call it online friendship, but still. I got to pre-read some of the uh, atomic habits because oh. Uh, I reached out to him. Yeah. Like yeah. things can happen. You just make yes. a, maybe someday we'll talk about the five second rule, which I think is also a great one for kids. Have you heard about that? It's like when you drop something on the floor and you, you can eat it. If it's <laughs> no longer than five seconds. <laughs> That's one of the five second rules. Well, I'm going to save the five second rule because it's a good one. I'll save that for another. And podcast. kiss it to God. <laughs> Well, so this book, you know, Atomic Habits is all about habit building and habit breaking. But at the at the end of the book and the nugget I'm going to pull out today for Jerome and I to discuss is at the end of the book, he has little lessons from the four laws and his four laws are about habit formation. And one of the lessons that I thought was particularly interesting for kids um. And again, this is always through my own filter for myself and for my daughter, who's 11. The, the little lesson, we're, we call them nuggets here on Billboard Happiness, is being curious is better than being smart. <clears throat> and I pulled this one out because um, when my daughter was in elementary school, when Nora was in elementary school, 
she's pretty smart, so she gets good grades, but she just wasn't interested in school and she loved recess and she loved lunch, but I, she didn't seem to care much about learning or the academic side. And I didn't know whether that was just how she was going to be. So she went to middle school this year to a project-based learning school, which is a different teaching methodology. And also going to middle school is different. You get, you have different teachers, you change classes. It's a different environment. And she is so into school now. And I think some of it comes from this idea of curiosity. And that's one of the pillars of her school is having a curious mind. And I don't think we're completely there yet, but I think this idea of teaching kids that wanting to learn, being curious about something and wanting to learn is how you progress in life. It isn't just being book smart or being street smart or whatever. It's want the, the, the thirst for knowledge is what really propels you forward through life. So I just, it really resonated with me. And that's how I feel about me too. Like if I can remember that about myself and not like think, oh, I have to be smart. I have to fit in with the San Francisco intellectual elite. Mm. If I'm curious, that gets you a lot farther in life, I think. But I'm curious I'm curious, Jerome, how you feel about this and what you've seen in your work with adults and kids. Well, you know, the first thing that came to mind for me was at neurochemically, you know, you always get to feel better when you're curious versus just being the smartest. Of course, if you're being the smartest, um, that's a, you know, that's a place in life. You know, you it, it that can feel good too. However, it's static, and um, and it's a better thanness, and it's a position uh, you got to hold, and uh, it's got social comparison involved. And when you're curious, you're just revved up and seeking and anticipating and um and and you know producing dopamine and and excited about life, and so you know, definitely always being curious or being or seeking and um, anticipating makes you feel even better, what in do you, my opinion. Okay. What do you think about this? Like, if this is a billboard statement, right? Getting curious is better than being smart. Do you think that saying those words to a kid just like that, do you think that's true, quote unquote? Or is there a, or is there a spin on that that, you know, might need to be made. Yes, I do think that's true. And um, for many reasons, the, the, the first thing that came to mind, you know, since I'm a brother, the thing I thought about was how, uh, you know, black kids, if they are, uh, you know, there's even been a couple of books written about how black kids get uh, teased for acting smart or being smart. And it's just total bull crap. You know, what you get teased about is being multisyllabic and not connecting with your peers and um, 
trying to be better than. Mm. And it's not, no one cares about you being smart. It's just that when you use it to um, diminish or make yourself better than other people. And so I never, you know, the idea of telling your kid, not, are you the smartest one in the classroom versus, um, you know, I, I'm amazed by how much you love learning. I'm amazed at how much you always, uh, with the things you know and the such. I think that um, that is uh, a more dynamic and, um, what is it, uh, not uh, an an oxytocin-based drive versus Mm -hmm. a fear-based drive. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And it's it's really, um, I mean, it is a kind of revolutionary statement, I think, for kids. Like if even me, like it's it's a little hard for me to say it's more important or better than being smart. That like goes against all of my um, upbringing and wiring. <laughs> but I think that's a good thing, right? Like, well, I, it leads to being smart and it leads mm-hmm. to being connected and um you know which is is google today um the uh, i've read recently where well not recently but in the last year or so that uh they don't hire the smartest person uh in the class anymore just by grades alone because they can't work well with other people right you know being curious is also about, you know, exercising, exploring the world and connecting with the world and not having being your, you know, the kindergartner that's over in the corner reading uh, fourth grade level books versus being in, in the group with their friends playing along with everybody else. I would rather have my kid engage with everybody else than just sitting in the corner reading fourth grade level books as a kid. Right. Well, it's funny you mentioned Google, like this, maybe even these days, this, this thing is being curious better than being smart because Google's smarter than all of us. Like a kid doesn't need to be smart anymore. That's, that's, that's probably going too far because they could just look it up on Google (laughs) too far. Okay. Okay. Well, I was also thinking about this in terms of myself because wait 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 but yes, you, know, yes. you know why that's too far because unfortunately well it's not too far but it makes me think of like what being smart is all about it's a bunch of information a lot of times yeah you know, somebody that can whip off a bunch of information and like yawn yawn you can go and google and get a bunch of information right right yeah that's what i mean i guess what are you doing what are you how are you using that information to connect with others into the world mm-hmm um, well, I was thinking about this in terms of this podcast and, um, if you haven't listened to the, the beginning, we started this podcast, Jerome and I did, because <clears throat> we wanted to really help parents figure out how to short circuit the learning of all the things that Jerome and I just continually buy books to study and are always looking for better ways to be healthier and happier and what if we could say Atomic that? Habits is the last self-improvement book that I bought. The really? <laughs> of course, that was just last month. However. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, good. Okay. That's a pretty um, ringing endorsement, I'd have to say. 
Um, but I was thinking about it, like in terms of starting the podcast, I was thinking, okay, we're going to get a book. We're, I'm going to read it again. I'm going to make notes or I'm going to study it. I'm going to have like a list of 18 talking points. And I was looking at it as something I needed to master, like get this down, make this perfect podcast. And then I forgot that Jerome and I do best when we're just exploring things like, and it's about nuggets, about, it's about billboards. So we pick something and then we talk about it and it's actually fun. <laughs> it yes. doesn't work. Like we're still learning, we're still teaching, but I, I just think that's something that kind of goes with this idea of curiosity is also cu being curious about the world makes learning fun and makes yes. living in the world more fun. And, and to me, you know, being curious is a privilege. I mean, um, what do you mean by that? To, to raise your kids to be curious. Um, or if you get to have curious kids or take this approach, it just says that you, you know, you're not sending your kid and telling to college and telling them then look, you know, we're middle-class and you got to be a pharmacist and you got to go in because you got to have a job at the end, you know, and that kid might have so many other, so many more potentials. And, um, but you've just sliced them down and, and this is all you get to do. Um, I mean, the privilege of exploring the world, the privilege of uh, cultivating new uh, skills and the such, not just designated for, you know, to, to, make sure you get, get into law school. So are you saying that when you say it's a privilege, are you saying that not every kid has this luxury? Like this, this idea is only for certain socioeconomic. Girl, you almost said white kids, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I almost said no. rich kids. Well, I wonder if it's for certain socioeconomics. I mean, you know, it's like, I love that study where, um, they have two kids in the waiting room and one's a brown kid and one's a, a white kid. And I think I'm saying the study, right. And years ago, and the, it's in a uh, doctor's waiting room and the, the white kid goes and picks up the, um, the something off the nurse's desk or the receptionist's desk and it's snow globe or something. And the mom's <laughs> like, um, yeah, that's a snow globe. Mimi or Mama has one just like it. Okay, go put it back. And he goes, puts it back. And then the brown kid does the same thing. And the mom's like, sit down. You put that down. You get over here. And, you know, she's like, she does not let him explore the world. Both mm -hmm. of them are adaptive strategies in that, you know, this white kid, well, he gets to explore the world uh, without any fear of being harmed in at least in our country the brown kid he needs to know that he can't go um it's adaptive in that she's teaching him that he can't just go riding his bike through um certain neighborhoods without being um i mean he's not safe doing that because he's being he you know he, he looks suspicious at that time when he's so doing when 
in that example, she, it's like, you don't want that. You don't want the nurse thinking you're stealing her snow globe. Well, you don't, you tell your, you're teaching your kid that you don't get to go and do whatever you want to do in the store or in the Mm. the waiting room. Uh, We get uh, that, the brown kid gets judged much more harshly than the white kid. And so you're teaching your kid to stay within the box, mind the parameters, uh, uh, you know, not the world is yours to explore. Right. So, so then how do we apply this idea then if, you know, if I'm white, uh, I, I ostensibly can just let my daughter be curious in this, in your frame of this, how, I mean, what would you say to the moms and dads of, African-American or Latino kids who might not have this luxury if they're listening? Like, is this a mindset that the parents need to learn first before they can teach or is it something else? Well, I mean, you know, it's just that, you know, the, the African-American mom just has to remember that. um, I mean, just as they do now, we want you to explore the world at the same time you explore the world, the different set of conditions and um, unspoken rules. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as white kids are concerned, though, you know, if you, the billboard ought to be um, being curious is a privilege and, you know, that'll make everybody want it. And and so (laughs) it's like, oh, that's the new best thing you can do. And so, you know, and and then everybody will start doing it. It's just like, being privileged, being curious is what the rich do because everybody wants to do what the rich do or what the rich do for their kids. And then, then that's what everybody will start doing. I know that's your, I know that's your philosophy about everything and we don't have time to go into it today about the rich. You see how much, how popular matcha tea is. I'm just saying. How popular matcha tea Paris Hilton started drinking it, and now everybody's drinking Paris it. Paris Hilton, <laughs> your social media references are way. <laughs> well, she's not drinking now. You know, she's a lot more sophisticated. Oh, okay. <laughs> Call me BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think this is a great one. I'm going to put this on my list of things to billboard to my daughter. Um, for this week, but I wanted also in this call to report. I think it's a great one too. And I think that everybody ought to revisit um, Curious George because the moral of that story is to, you know, it's a good thing to be curious. You discover so many things. Yeah. A whole new world. Do you guys still read that too? Is that a book that, they still that use white people read. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know white teachers read it to me growing up, but like. <laughs> yes, Curious George was in the, um, and the cartoon too. And yeah. they, they had a new cartoon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Great. Um, I also wanted to talk, um, report back on our previous gratitude episode about developing a gratitude practice, and and I will admit that. This one took a while to figure out how to do this with, uh, with my daughter, Nora. But <clears throat> I figured out a way to do it that's not awkward, 
or um, forced or um, gets an eye roll. There's no eye rolling. Mm-hmm. So at night before, and this was came from you, I think, talking about, you know, prayers before nighttime. Like when we were right. growing up, you did your prayers before bed. So right. at nighttime, when I go in to braid her hair before she goes to sleep, I kick off my slippers and get in on the opposite side of the bed with her. <laughs> I usually go on one side to braid her hair and give her a hug good night, but this is an opposite side of the bed thing. I don't know how that came up, but I lie down in bed with her. We kind of like her back is to my front. So kind of the spooning thing. So we don't, she doesn't have to look at me in the eye, <laughs> which is important. And we just call it grateful. Like let's do grateful. Um, you ready for grateful. And so we lie down and, she typically goes first and I go second or vice versa, but she typically goes first. And I've been really, um, I've been really like moved by her, the things that she's grateful for. Like she seems to get it. You know, it's not about the, you know, the big thing that happened that day or that this, like she's, she really, is grateful for small things, grateful for kind of ideas. Like she's grateful for, I mean, this is not an idea, but like she's grateful for her school yesterday after her, she's on her school soccer team. And she wasn't just grateful for the soccer game and getting to play. She was grateful for her school, which really touched my heart and made me feel like, Oh, it's having, I'm hoping it's having that effect. And it's great for me too, of course, because it's, it's a practice that I'm doing with her. Um, So yeah, some reporting back on that. That, that um, almost started crying listening to you say that and, and love that your voice changed when you started talking about it. That is, that, that just seems like a very sacred moment and to, a moment wherein she's just developing that uh, abundant world mindset as Mm -hmm. a function of being grateful. And, you know, we could all use um, more of that. Yes. Believing that there's enough cookies in the cookie jar to go around for everybody. Well, yes, I agree. And I I think the more we do it, the just the better it will be and the more it will become an atomic habit um, to quote James clear. Um, So something else I did want to bring up just at the tail end of this episode that we can talk about maybe more next week. I was listening to another podcast this morning called this. uh, Well, it used to be called this is 50, but now it's called the Sherry and Nancy show. And um, they were interviewing this um, woman, Marcy Shimoff, and I may be mispronouncing that. <clears throat> um, and we can talk about, she's got a book too called Happy for No Reason, which is also a very intriguing thought. But one thing she said that kind of is something I've noticed with Nora and myself, again, if I'm going to be honest, is she talks about becoming a the victor, not the victim of your life. Mm. So instead of trying to, you know, find blame or like why you didn't do well on the test was because the teacher cut it short or didn't give you the lesson, like always looking for an excuse or looking for blame, 
you know, taking responsibility, not just taking responsibility because that makes it seem negative, but it's like you have the power to control the outcome. Like if you're not getting the goal in soccer, you practice harder or whatever. And I have noticed that, that, you know, always looking for someone to blame or a situation to diffuse, to take the, the, the spotlight off of you or one is um, something I see in my daughter. And again, it's probably something I see in myself as well. So I want to explore that a little bit. I do think we ought to talk about that because there's um, man, there's so many people that find themselves being innocent or professional victims. Um, Yeah. That that'll really slow down your, life experience. And secondly, I want to say that, oh, girl, must have been listening to Joel Alstein or T.D. Jakes, because both of them always talking about being a victor instead oh, of... Oh, really? You know, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I've heard 29 sermons on <laughs> uh, being a victor versus a victim. But I also know that in my practice that um, usually... Um, if you're feeling like crap about something interpersonal, that's usually what's going down is that you've decided to take the victim innocent role. Uh, you feel that somebody is doing something to you, that you have a nemesis and you're not owning up to, um, your end of the story or how those things came about. But yeah, um, yeah, let's, Let's, yeah, let's, let's think about that. that and think about how to billboard that one for kids because it, it can feel um, judgy, right? Mm. Like if you bring it up to a kid, like I notice you, you tend to find blame. <laughs> like sure. I feel like there's got to be a way we can turn that around that, or figure out a way to say it that would and, be friendly and not blaming the kid. <laughs> For it. Right. And the turning turnaround is, you know, maybe you did get your ass kicked by fate or by somebody, by your frenemy. Mm-hmm. However, the bounce back, this is about right. building Resilience. a kid and, you know, playing ball instead of Barbies because, you know, Barbies can go on. Barbies hold grudges. But, you know, when you play ball, you got to get back up and got another game to play. Right. Okay, well, let's think about that and address that more in a future issue or episode, I should say. So, um, this has been fun, Jerome. I feel even better than I did 30 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you have you want to say before we sign off for this episode? Uh, I think I need to put more, you know, I was telling you about my new crackers. Yeah. don't give away think, your trademark. I think I need to put more salt in them. You know, I said that I was just pretty good in some regards. I think they need more salt. Um, I think but, more salt is, is always a good always thing. Always a good thing. Jerome's <laughs> cooking now, which, again, in a future episode, we'll talk about what a game-changing thing this is for him. Yes. He's making his own crackers. Which yes, I'm going to be the, the cracker expert. Cracker and cheese. I mean that in the most polite sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's our cue to end. It's a culinary cracker. Culinary. <laughs> All right. Well, it's great talking to you, Jerome. Love you. Talk to you later. All right. Be love. Peace.